the downtrodden, the lowly win against the mighty forces of evil because right is on their side. Star Wars. It's the movie that blatantly contended for a concept with which we would agree. There is more to life than the physical. A complete other world. Not physical at all. Not material at all. Completely other. You could have a million universes and you'd never touch this other world. This spirit world. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the culmination of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Everything that he's been working towards, this is it. He wanted to prepare them for this when he talked about their spiritual blessings in Christ and most particularly their eternal inheritance. When he was thanking them and praying for them, he was thinking of this spiritual war. That God's grace comes to us through faith is important because of what is happening in the heavenly places. That they were now one in Christ with access to the Father by the one Spirit through Jesus Christ is important because of the battle. The mystery of the Gospel, the unity that they had in the body of Christ, the new life they share is all necessary if we are to see victory in this conflict. Walking in love in the church, in your marriage, with your children and grandchildren, with those you work with, all incredibly important if we are to stand against the schemes of the devil while urging them to put on the whole armor of God, Paul has three realities he wants them to understand. The first is the reality of the spiritual world. We live in a physical world. <laughs> but he says cosmic powers and heavenly places. In America, almost one in four people are from Missouri. Did you know that? You didn't? It's true. Well, sort of. Missouri is the show-me state. <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it. All those people in our great nation don't believe 
anything exists that you can't touch or see or measure. They accept the existence of only that which is physical, the material universe. But they have a problem. <laughs> there are logically only four possible explanations for the existence of matter, the physical universe, and three of them stand against known science. And the fourth requires the existence of a nature that is completely independent, transcendent, is the technical term, from the physical. To put it simply, matter cannot have always existed. The first and second laws of thermodynamics teaches that. Two, matter cannot just pop into existence, just suddenly appear from nowhere. Third, matter does really exist. Some people say it doesn't, but it's not all in our heads our spirit consciousness, it actually does exist. And the fourth possibility, the only one that does not oppose science, although in truth it is independent of it, something, someone, not of this universe or anything like it, created all that we know of as the physical universe. This, of course, is the biblical contention. Creation ex nihilo, out of nothing, physical, God created all the physical there is. Okay? Every star, every galaxy, every galaxy cluster, every supercluster, I don't know how much you've studied it, every atom was created by God. He created all the information there is. Of particular interest, the most fantastically intricate code known to exist, DNA. We mentioned this morning, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, we know it's a chicken, God created. But the DNA was there, and it's in the egg. So the DNA chose the body, how to build the mechanisms that build the body, and then how to build the body with those mechanisms, and that builds the DNA. But if you don't have the DNA, how do you know how to build the machines that build the DNA? See, you can't. Something has to come first. But if this is the truth, as we contend, then God cannot be part of our physical universe. He must be independent of it. And the nature in which he exists must be separate from the physical, transcendent, from our nature. The Bible calls this other nature spirit. God, then, logically, is spirit. And, of course, this is the biblical claim. Christ himself said so. In philosophical, uh, theological terms, God is simple in constitution. He is spirit and spirit only. Okay. Yes, Jesus took on human form and there's a long explanation we've dealt with before in the God the servant, so we're not going to deal with it today. God is spirit only and in that sense, simple in nature. We, on the other hand, are complex in nature. Isn't that nice? Did you always want to be complex? We are. We have both a physical nature and a spiritual nature. Except that we don't have spiritual eyes. We don't see the spiritual world. We only see the physical. 
The point is that God, as a spirit being, is invisible to us who live in the material universe that he created. The entire spiritual nature is invisible to us. It's all around us. In fact, we share the same exact space as the spirit world. Important to our discussion today, angels also are spirit beings. We can't see them. We can't see what they're doing. It appears that those in the spirit world can see us, but in some sense completely very different from the way we perceive. So, there is a spiritual world and a fallen, a very fallen, material world. And Paul said earlier, we are sealed for the day of redemption out of this world by the Holy Spirit, who, it's clear from his name, and because he's a person of the Trinity, he's spirit in nature. But why do we need to be sealed for that day? Why do we need a guarantee that we'll get there? Because there's not just a spiritual world out there. The second reality that Paul wants to make clear is the reality of the spiritual war. And Paul uses some frightening language to describe it. The schemes of the devil. The cosmic powers over this present darkness. Evil day. Evil one. The spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Flaming darts of the evil one. Okay, He does this to remind us that there is a vast spiritual war going on. In a sense, it's kind of like how it was during World War II here in the States. Soldiers, like my dad, didn't know how to explain the horrors of what they saw to their loved ones. That was not a problem in Europe or England. Every man, woman, and child experienced the war over there. Every person. The equipment of war was everywhere to be seen. And the signs, virtually everyone saw the carnage. Buildings blown apart. Bomb craters in roads and fields. Dead bodies and not always intact. Everybody saw that. But over here, well, how do you feel a war you can't see? How do you fight a war that you can't see? A war that most people don't believe is really going on at all. They don't <laughs> and the enemy, from where did he come? I mean, God is good. He created everything very good. From where did this enemy come? Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Unlike Star Wars, where George Lucas contends for dualism, the idea that both good and evil are eternal. They both always existed. And not personal, not as persons, but simply forces. That's how he sees it. The Bible informs us that Satan was an angelic being who rebelled against his Creator and he fell from heaven. Jesus is referring, it would seem, to an Old Testament scripture that explains what happened. 
How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol to the far reaches of the pit. It appears that Satan was one of three archangels, Michael and Gabriel being the others. So he must have been fantastic when he was created. But as Ezekiel records, your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you. In his pride... Satan tried to set himself up on the same level as God, his creator. That obviously wouldn't work, and he fell from his high estate. Angels, uh, by the way, are, are often poetically called stars in Old Testament literature, and most agree that this next scripture is a reference to Satan's influence with the other stars. And another sign appeared in heaven, Behold, a great red dragon... His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. So he was able to convince one-third of all the created spirit beings to rebel against their creator. No idea how many that is. Maybe a billion. Who knows? So all demons, though, were created perfect angels. Satan and all his hordes were once beautiful angelic creatures of great power and authority. And they still have at least some of that power and authority in the world. And they are warring with Michael and the other angels. Well, for what? <laughs> Why are they fighting? People might be okay with the idea that there's a spiritual world. Most are. Uh, it makes good logical sense. I mean, and really... Can all this be without some kind of input? They may even believe there's a spiritual war. Star Wars alone brought that concept alive to the masses. And in fact, almost everyone recognizes that there is good and evil. So they must be warring in some sense, yes? But even if they think there's a war, they don't want to get drafted into it, okay? <laughs> don't... Don't want to be a part of it. And of course, it must be over there, right? Over there. That's where wars happen. Not, not by us. It can't be actually right here with us, can it? But the war is here. It is now. The third reality Paul so urgently desires that they understand is the reality of our spiritual war. We are in the middle of a war. Why do the demons fight? What do they want? Satan and his hordes want to own us. And the bulk of us don't even know it. When I was an older teenager, I went hunting with my dad. And since he could trust me, he let me go off by myself. Actually, we went with another teacher from the school uh, where dad taught. He had this place he thought was just great. You guys got to come try this out. Well, never had. So we went there. It was packed 
with hunters. They were everywhere. There were people everywhere. I hadn't been out an hour when I heard this loud, whizzing sound that seemed to scream by about a foot above my head. Well, I hightailed it back to my dad and told him all about it, you know. He said, oh, don't worry. Nobody was shooting at you. I thought, maybe they were. No, nobody's shooting at you. He says, only ricocheted bullets can make that sound. And besides, and I'm sure he meant to be encouraging, but he said, besides, if somebody was really shooting at you, you'd never hear a thing. Bullets go faster than the speed of sound, so it hits you before you ever heard anything. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. That's not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> the point is, we are in a spiritual war. If we had spiritual eyes, we could see the flaming darts of Satan flying all about us. We'd hear the sound of bombs. We'd see churches blown apart. We'd see those hit by the arrows writhing on the ground in pain. We'd see the bodies of those who didn't make it. You see, the whole human race is behind enemy lines. John wrote, We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The whole world. But John didn't stop there. (laughs) And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. We are in Christ. We are okay. We are. We're okay. And we can understand that every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We have overcome the spirit of the Antichrist. We are not subject to demons. But we are at war with Satan and his demons. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. This is truly, really a war. Satan is seeking someone to devour. But in what sense? Or maybe we say it in another way. What is a spiritual battle? Well, the first thing we need to know, who we fight. (laughs) Let's come in kind of the back door in this one. Who is it that we are not fighting? Okay, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, Paul wrote. I think really this, this is almost harder than anything else in this war. We do not fight against people. And that's really hard to believe when it's people who fight us. <laughs> who cheat us, who tell lies about us, who stab us in the back. In the very last letter he wrote, as Paul sat waiting to be executed by flesh and blood, he wrote, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil 
after being captured by him to do his will. We fight against the devil, the realm of Satan. Those flesh and blood people who fight us are just poor fools captured by him. This is easy to say and understand even, but so hard to remember in the heat of the battle. Basically, every human who fights us might be made to see the truth and switch sides. Like the German people of World War II who discovered Hitler's evil plan and they joined the Allies to fight him. Plenty of them. Might happen. Just as the real enemy of freedom was Hitler and his Nazis, not the German people, our real enemy is Satan, not those captured by him. So we must put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. First point, the enemy is organized. Okay, Evil empires always, always, they have a hierarchy of domination. We cannot approach this enemy casually. Okay, These cosmic powers, these spiritual forces of evil are incredibly powerful and capable. And they do rule over this age, this present darkness. We are in the middle of enemy-occupied territory, behind enemy lines. When Jesus instructed the twelve, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. It was a precursor to what would be true for every believer. We live and serve in the midst of enemy territory. Put on the whole armor of God. Notice that these are spiritual forces of evil. That is, spirit beings. We can't see them unless they manifest themselves in some physical sense. We have to deal with them spiritually. And they are above us in understanding, in power. How do we compete with that? How could we possibly win this fight? What enables us to fight? God, our Creator. It's God's strength. Paul used words like, Be strong in the Lord. Put on and take up the armor of God. Wear the belt of truth. Use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Our faith in God can extinguish those spiritual flaming darts of the evil one. Now don't forget what Paul has already taught. It is God's faith that we are given. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is a free gift of God. You don't have, we don't have faith that's our own. We have faith that is God. And that's a good thing. 
But the strength of our faith reflects the strength of our relationship with God. How well do we know God? How good a friend are we with Him? We're in the middle of a war. It would be good to know the one who gives us strength as well as possible that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ may dwell in your hearts. He's got a richness of strength. Do we know him well enough to be able to carry what he would like to give us to carry? <laughs> we, Greek, like many languages, has a wonderful capacity not directly available in English. We can be plural. <laughs> not just some of you, the whole group, all of you. Most of the pronouns, the we's in this warfare section, are plural. It's not just you individually or even a small group of you. It's you, the church. Okay. Do you remember this verse? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, we all, we can fight because we are in unity together, standing one against the wolves, is part of what makes success in the battles possible. You might want to consider that more carefully. But Paul, when do we fight? Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. Okay, when is this evil day? Already answered that. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. The, the evil day is now, okay? <laughs> We are in the war now. Does it seem like I've said this already? Okay, so where do we fight? Throughout this section, Paul echoes words that he used earlier. He does this on purpose. In other words, we fight in the church. I know, I know sometimes that happens in a bad way. <laughs> I mean, we as the church fight the satanic hordes together. But think about it. If we are strong because we fight together, what is the enemy going to attack? Well, our togetherness, of course. He's going to attack unity in the church using people he has captured to do his will for the most part. So first, we need to be standing against those who would destroy the church, especially being very careful of those who seem to be Christians but are inwardly ravenous wolves. We need especially to be standing with those who are true sheep of the one shepherd. We need unity in the body. We need to practice unity's key. That's humility if you've forgotten the content of that message. Just before Paul wrote these instructions about spiritual warfare, he talked about family. For the last few weeks, we've considered how to fight in the family together submission and love and service and respect and for that matter in the workplace submission and godly leadership both proper behavior to each other so we know the who what when and where now how 
How do we fight? Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. A balanced and complete Christianity is required to succeed. Truth, knowing it and doing it, Righteousness, doing right, living right, readiness of the good news, the gospel of peace. Be where you hear about the good news. Thanks, you are. (laughs) And be ready to share it with those captured by Satan to do his will. Faith, if you belong to Christ, you have faith. Use it. And salvation, well, of course you have it, Well, assuming you have it. The point is to be aware we have it. To know where we're going. And our sword, knowledge of the word. With only one additional thing, if you put all this together, you're a balanced Christian. Okay, And that's what we need to be ready to fight. And we need to be ready to fight. We are in a war. Twice. Paul says, stand. We only need to stand. Stand against the schemes of the devil. Just stand there. He's about to attack. You know, it's not like we're going to have to go looking for him, okay? <laughs> we're already in the battle. Withstand in the evil day, he said. So stand firm. We need to study. Note that the sword belongs to the Spirit and that the sword is the word you know hello the scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit this this is not the same as telling the good news first we have to study uh, learn to hold the spirit's weapon okay and then have it in your hands you know know it listen to it read it say it use it Paul says to hold we see the great importance of the shield of faith by the statements that are before it and after it. In all circumstances, remember who you are. Remember whose you are. You have it. Hold it in front of you. There's a war going on. The shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Okay, this faith thing is kind of like a little important. (laughs) It's important in this war effort. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and the ocean. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. If the average British citizen hadn't rallied to Churchill's cry, the world would now be dominated by the Nazis. And that was only a world war. We fight a spiritual war. One with eternal consequences. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Are we awake? Or are we slumbering on the battlefield? We always have a war. 
going on around us. We must keep our shields up at all times. And whatever we do, we must pray. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Pray always in the Spirit. That is to say, as the Spirit leads. In other words, to be filled by the Spirit, as Paul said earlier. And pray for all the saints. Remember, we must stand together against those wolves, be they in sheep's clothing or bearing their snarling fangs. Pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Do you remember in that movie, The Patriot, that terrible scene where young Thomas is shot and murdered by the British officer and his oldest brother Gabriel is taken prisoner with the intent to execute him? Remember that? The dad takes two of his younger boys who yet they do know how to aim small, miss small, (laughs) and they race across the fields to ambush the soldiers that are in possession of his eldest. When he sets the children up, he gives them some chilling instructions. Shoot the officers first. Eliminate the leaders and the rest will fall. What do you think Satan does? Who do you think he attacks first? The idea is to do God's bidding and then evil will have no hold on you. And as you pray for other saints, as you pray for leaders, yours and those on TV and those on the radio and those in other churches, we are to listen to and propagate the good news about Jesus. We are to study the Word of God. We are to pray in the Spirit. Pray being filled with the Spirit. So, why do we fight? Why do we fight what we can't even see? Remember this section is the culmination of all Paul's instructions in this letter. In other words, this is critical to all of Christian living. If you don't fight well, you will not have a successful Christian life. In church, in the family, in work. Paul's concern is proper Christian behavior not demons he didn't care about the demons it's about the behavior resist the devil and he will flee from you draw near to God and he will draw near to you the focus is not evil the devil but God Satan will be out of the picture pretty soon Okay, we fight to learn more of God we fight to show more of God to other people Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Demons are real. There are probably some in this room right now. But we don't have to be afraid we don't have to worry about them we don't have to fear demons or any evil the battle was won on a Roman cross 2,000 years ago Okay, we don't have to worry the deal's done 
we just have to be on the right side. <laughs> that's, the, that's what you want to be. There is something besides the physical universe. And there's a war raging about us. People are being cut up in this war right now. And if we don't know we are in a war, we will be hurt. And probably captured and used to hurt. So like Jesus said, wake up! (laughs) Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Father, thank you for saving us because as we begin to contemplate what must be raging about us, I can't the, the noise, the screams, the flying missiles. We can't hear them. We're blind and deaf to that world. But you didn't want to leave us struggling around in it without knowing what was going on. And so through your Spirit, you helped Paul to write down a message for us. Make us aware. Give us some understanding of what to do. Now, Lord, we ask that you help us to do it. Help us to put on the whole armor, everything that we need. And Lord, there are some that have been captured by Satan's will, by Satan to do his will, and they have caused us pain. Every one of us has people in our life that have caused us sometimes enormous pain. And it's hard not to just simply stab back at them. So we ask that you help us to be gentle and to understand that they're really they're just foolishly drawn away, captured by Satan, doing his will, and they might get it. They might come to their senses. So help us to remember, even in times of attack, to be showing you to the world, to be showing your son especially to the world. Thank you, Father, for what you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.